Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. Hello, healthcare humans. Thank you so much for coming back to another episode of The Other Human in the Room. Okay, so I am here to talk to you all today um, about a tool, a self-reflection tool that I have found incredibly helpful in my life over the past year or so since I've discovered it. I found it so helpful that I actually um, just completed certification um, in the training institution that developed the tool. Um, so it's something that I now can teach about and offer to all of you. Um, so it's called the Self-Coaching Model, developed by Brooke Castillo, who is the owner of the Life Coach School, um, which is the institution that I just finished my certification in. Um, and uh, yeah, I am someone who historically um, have... I've, I call myself like a personal development or self-help junkie. I've, I've been in all kinds of therapy. I've done, all, I've read so many books on, you know, how to take control of my life and how to feel better. And, um, and, and all of that had great meaning and use. And I have like lots of, um, teachers that I've, I've really learned a lot of good things from. Um, and in terms of like a simple, tool that also has a lot of power. I genuinely have not found one that is as simple and powerful as the self-coaching model. So it's a way of um, allowing you to take a look at your brain and how you're perceiving the world, as well as connecting it with what else um, that that idea and how your brain is working, how that is influencing your whole life and like what you're doing in your life and what actions you're taking in your life. So um, yeah, it's it's something that I think is very useful. And so um, say you're a journaler um, and I've, you know, been a journaler on and off for many years, but when you journal, you feel like, okay, I got my thoughts out. That was kind of helpful, but now I just still have the same thoughts. This model helps with that because it takes, it allows you to sort of have the courage of taking a look at your thoughts, which by the way, is like an extremely potent first step. It's just like writing your thoughts down on paper. I know a lot of people have fear about that, but then it's like kind of the what's next tool of when you look at your thoughts, what can you do with them to actually change how you're thinking and how you're showing up in your life? Um, and so I want to share it with you today and kind of go through it. Um, and I hope it's helpful to you and that I, I invite you to consider practicing using it, um, in your life. And if you do, and you find it interesting, please, as always, you know, DM me on Instagram or email me. I would love to know, um, how it's working for you. Okay. Oh, and one final thing to say up front, and that I'm definitely going to say a couple times in this episode, this is not a tool to use to beat yourself up about like how broken you are or how weird your brain is. I say that because it is certainly what came up for me when I started using it. Like 
because of this default messaging that we all have that we're inherently terrible and not worthy of, you know, helping to feel better. Sometimes when then when we bring more awareness to our thoughts and like the things that are causing our pain and suffering in our life, the default reaction to that is like, see, you're doing this to yourself. What's wrong with you? You're to blame for your own suffering. And so that is not the tea here, people. That is not what I'm saying. And that is, I do not recommend using the model, which is sort of the short form that people at the Life Coach, use, uh, Life Coach School use is just calling it the model. Um, I do not recommend using the model to create more shame for yourself. If you do it, I understand that is its own model working in you, but um, that is not what I'm recommending. Okay. All right. So here it is. So the self-coaching model posits that everything in life can be divided into one of five categories. Everything in life is either a circumstance, a thought, a feeling, an action, or a result. And um, often when you see models written out, you see them written out C-T-F-A-R, circumstance, thought, feeling, actions, results. And uh, it's as simple as that and as complex as that, right? Um, so uh, yes, so talking through those one at a time. The first one is circumstances. So basically that's everything that factually exists in the world. Often we think that it's our circumstances that are the cause of our problem. So say we have, you know, 15 patient requests to call them back in one day. We think that that is the cause of us feeling stressed and our day going poorly, right? Um, and actually what circumstances are, are neutral, solid facts of the world. And they are neutral in the sense that they are benign, inert objects that exist in space and time until we have a thought about them. So you can think of it like scientifically speaking to all us scientists who are listening to this, it's just something that's objectively observed. Their temperature was 38 degrees. The person said five words. 15 patients have requested um, a callback today. And so those facts on their own cannot cause um, any sort of emotional suffering in someone's life until a human brain interprets something about them. Um, you know, basically our brain then takes those inert neutral facts and develops a story about them. That's when I've been talking about having store, like our brains telling stories about things inhuman stories or healing helpful stories. I'm really talking about sort of a collection of thoughts that our brain is having about a more neutral set of facts. You could say it's more of a, a theory or hypothesis that the brain is developing, right? So the, the brain observes that a person makes a certain facial expression. And then, you know, for all we know, that facial expression was because that person was thinking a thought about someone else in their head or, you know, their face had an involuntary spasm. Like we don't actually know, but our brain develops a story that's, you know, often to our detriment, like, oh, that person's mad at us or something, right? It's not the circumstance that the patient, sorry, the person having a, a face twitch, that that is neutral. It's what our brain interprets that to mean, the thought 
that causes the rest. Okay. This is the critical point. And so then that brings us to that second category, thoughts. Thoughts are the story your brain is telling about the objective circumstances of the world. It is also the true cause of all of your problems, right? In the sense that if your brain was generating different thoughts about something, you it wouldn't necessarily be viewing those objective facts as a problem anymore, right? So um, the really critical piece is that all that thoughts are, are sentences in your mind, um, hypotheses that your brain are generating, you know, whatever way of thinking of it makes sense to you. I and mean, that's why I'm giving you lots of different options of how to think of it. Like your brain is sort of sending out a, a little guess, a little question, sort of a, ah, potentially that person's mad at me. It just says the example, the face twitch example, right? Potentially that person's mad at me. And then how would I react if it was true that that person was mad at me, right? That's what comes next with the feelings, actions, results. But the thought is just a thought. It's just a guess. It's just a hypothesis. It's just a prediction of what the um, objective observable facts could mean for me, right? Um, and so the great thing to know is that that hypothesis, that collection of thoughts that your brain is generating is optional. Not in the moment because the sentence appears in your mind, you know, you didn't choose to think, oh, that person's mad at me. It just popped into your brain. But over time, you can generate new thoughts on purpose and then change what happens next. You can change your brain's prediction, your brain's interpretation of the facts. And that's what can lead to so much power Um that's why this model is so powerful because it can it lead to so much change in your life. You'll notice actually as we're going through this, just as a, a little aside, um, this is really almost like a simplified version of cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't say that to really connect the two or posit that one would replace the other. I think they each have a, a very important and separate place in sort of the world and cognitive behavioral therapy is a very specific kind of psychotherapy and it's used to treat specific mental health conditions. Um, but this is a an accessible version that can be used on anyone, including, and it's actually more designed for people who are not necessarily um, having like impairment in their life and in their brain because of um, a mental health disorder, but rather um, are, are having thoughts and problems and struggles uh, that are bothering them, which um, uh, would likely include anyone who's listening to this podcast, right? So it's really, um, this model is for everyone. Um, in a way that cognitive behavioral therapy might not necessarily be, okay? Okay, so we have circumstances, and then we have thoughts. Um, so the next category we have is feelings. So what causes our feelings? What causes our emotions? It's not the circumstances that are going on around us. It's our thoughts. And so as we're going down the model, each thing each thing kind of fall, falls in sequence, right? So we have the circumstances of the world, that's line one. Then we have the thoughts that our brain think about the world. And those thoughts are what generate our feelings. Now, feelings are very important. As you know, I've talked about feelings. I like calling them emotions, but this model calls them feelings. Um, feelings, um, I've talked about them many times because they are the cause of all of our actions, actually. And they are often the thing that we are the most 
detached from. Um, and that's, you know, on purpose, uh, we've been kind of conditioned to ignore them in ways that may have served other people in our lives, but do not serve us often. And just so just as a reminder, all feelings are, are vibrations or sensations in your body. They're basically the physical expression of your thought. So it's like, you can kind of imagine your brain as a thought, and then it wires it down to the rest of your body to be felt by you as an emotion, as a feeling. And the reason that they're important is that everything we do or don't do in our life is because of our feelings, right? Um, our feelings are what activate certain parts of our body to, to go towards motion or deactivate us to freeze ourselves. It is because of our emotions that those things happen. And so when we have a feeling, so say we have, say, um, going back to that example, we saw someone's face twitch and our thought was they're mad at me. And then the feeling is for me, it would be anxiety. And so I'd ha be having a thought they're mad at me. I would have all the sensations and vibrations in my body that come with anxiety that sort of fluttering across my chest, muscle tension, mind racing everything like that. And then from that anxiety state, then I would take action. So in the case of a thought that someone was mad at me, some of my actions would be to obsess and ruminate, you know, a lot about that person. I would, um, be distracted and not doing other kinds of work. I may be asking them, um, checking in with them. Are you mad at me? What's going on? Or like in a more passive way, trying to like understand, um, if they're mad at me or not and be showing up around them in ways that like assumed that, that, uh, they were mad at me. Right. And so all of those that I just described are actions. Actions is everything you do or don't do because of the feeling you're having. And this is a piece that a lot of people can struggle with because we're not used to really watching ourselves and watching our actions and what we actually do or don't do in our lives. I've noticed for myself and with clients that this is often the, the, the line of the model that people struggle with the most because they're kind of like, I don't know what I do or don't do because of an emotion because we've been so cut off from linking those two. And it's so powerful to know why you do or don't do anything. Like how many times have you, you know, spent an afternoon procrastinating a task, you know, you need to get done. And you're like, why did I do that? Well, procrastination is an action more specifically because procrastination has sort of a label on it, but it's like procrastination says, you know, I didn't finish that task until 5 PM, you know, a task that I'd set one hour to do. I, I ended up completing in five hours. That's the action. And then you can go back and say, okay, well, if I did that action, what emotion was present driving me to spend five hours instead of one doing that action? And if, and if I find the emotion, which is often overwhelm or anxiety or something like that, okay, what was the thought that was generating that emotion? So it's not about the circumstance. It's about the thought generating the feeling leading to the actions in our lives. And the reason that all those actions are important is because that's what creates our results. The results are everything that we generate for ourselves in our lives. Um, and you'll notice that they often prove the original thought true. Okay. So they often, um, they often, uh, 
basically what happens is your brain generates this thought hypothesis, right? And then it generates the emotions that are, um, are that make sense from that thought. And then you take action in, out of that emotion. And so therefore, then you end up creating the prediction to come true. I want to give you an example because I find the results is a bit, the results line is kind of uh, sometimes the most confusing for a lot of people. Um, so here's an example of a model, just like talking it through one line at a time. So say the circumstance was I have 11 items on my to-do list and I have the thought there is too much to do and my feeling is overwhelmed. Well, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, the actions I take are starting several tasks without finishing them because then I get the overwhelm again and I stop, right? Avoid doing certain ones altogether. Um, scroll on social media to feel better. Um, uh, complain to my husband and friends about having so much to do. Um, you know, Googling strategies of how to uh, organize my life better um, in order to get stuff done, right? And so if you look at those actions, first of all, notice that I took a bunch of other actions that weren't on my original list because my list, I tr trust me, my to-do list never includes scroll on social media or complain to friends, right? Those are additional actions that I just added to a day that my brain was already perceiving to be pretty full. And so one way that you could talk about the results I've created in my life when I am living out of this there's too much to do model is that I create more evidence that there's too much to do. I literally give myself more to do. Okay, well, now I've got to go scroll on social media because I feel so terrible. Now I got to go complain to my friends. Now I better like look up strategies about how to stay more organized. Notice that's like literally adding more things to my list. And, and I certainly make it harder to get all of my tasks done. So then my brain says, see, there really was too much to do. You didn't get anything done right? Because in this, in this follow-up, maybe I end up getting one out of the 11 things done. That's sort of literally the outcome. But it's more than that. It's more that, that your brain actually then says, oh, wow, you're right. 11 things is too much to do, as if that was an objective fact and had nothing to do with its own hypothesis becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy, you see? And so just to compare what we can do with these models, once we understand why we aren't getting done what we want to get done, why we're not taking the action we want to take, why our lives don't look the way we wish they would look, um, then you can start to dream and think about if I was thinking new thoughts and if, if I was believing different things about myself and my life, what would I create instead? So as an example, um, if when I looked at my to-do list of 11 items and instead I thought I can get this done one thing at a time. And that was sort of the thought that I either had as a default because I was lucky enough to have those kinds of thoughts conditioned into me and I was supported in ways where that was more my default thought, right? Then I may feel confident when I look at that to-do list and then my actions would be, okay, look at the list, prioritize the list, block off the time to complete each task, create a distraction-free environment to do them, like set up my whole day to get the task done. And so then my result is I get all 11 things done one thing at a time because I've told myself the prophecy that I can get them done. Do you see? We often think we have to um, 
already have evidence in order to prove something true into our minds. But our minds are only ever going to predict what it, they already know to be true. And so if you have had the bad luck of, you know, living in a world that has created a lot of self-doubt in you, a lot of anxiety in you, right? It can feel like the odds are so stacked against you that it's not worth trying to shift things. But that's what I love about this model is that you can create the belief ahead of time by practicing new thoughts. And that will literally lead to the evidence you're desiring. And then over time, of course, it gets easier to every time I practice the new model of I can get this done one thing at a time. And I generate that confidence for myself. I look at the list, I prioritize, I get it done. Then my brain really does take it on as a default. So now I'm looking at my 11. I'm like, oh, 11. I've done 11 a bunch of times, right? But at first, you got to generate the new thought and the new feeling ahead of time. Okay. Um, And so we call that the intentional model. So the first model um, in my example, that there is too much to do model, that was an unintentional model. I didn't do that to myself. I didn't choose to think that thought on purpose. That thought popped into my brain, uh, uninvited sentence in my mind. It's usually there because it's sort of the thought I've been handed or conditioned to believe over time as well, right? It's not, I, I didn't do this to myself. Like I said, this isn't a tool to be like, what's wrong with you? Why would you think that thought? No one thinks that there's too much to do thought on purpose, okay? But now that you see it and you've brought awareness to how that thought is not helpful to think, what's a new thought that will help you more? And that is your intentional model. Okay, so just to get kind of practically speaking, this is how you can use this tool. You can set aside, you know, five minutes maybe at the start or end of your day, whatever makes sense, and open a journal or open a a document and just write out everything that's in your brain. And then you choose one thought. I often kind of look for like the hottest thought, like what's the scenario that's really bugging you right now? There's no right one, but just choosing one. And then you fill out the rest of the model from there. So if you're, you're really hot thought or a really hot emotion is shame. And then the thought is, I made that person mad at me. What was the circumstance? You know, the face twitching. Okay, what were the actions? What are your results? You fill it all out. And you take a look at it. And with as much self-compassion as you can muster, if you need to, doing it with a friend, of course, with a coach like myself, because it can be painful to look at your own thoughts especially if you run a lot of shame-based models that want to blame yourself for the thoughts that you unintentionally had in your brain. And so from a self-compassion and curious place saying, where did this model come from? Do I still want to think this thought on purpose now that I know it's there? Would I choose this thought for myself? Sometimes it's yes, and you're like, sweet, thank you. But a lot of times it's like, oh, no, I wouldn't choose this thought for myself on purpose. What if this thought was optional, right? What are other thoughts that could be possible for the situation? And then you take those and then consider what you might want your intentional model to believe. And then you practice thinking that new intentional thought on purpose. As a reminder, episode 12 of my podcast, Building New Belief, I wasn't using the word model then, but it was, that is all about 
intentional models. Those are all the skills that I use when I am try- I'm taking my intentional model, my sort of aspirational intentional model, some, something I want to become my default over time, and I'm practicing it on purpose. So that one has lots more details about ladder beliefs and um, all the different ways that we can guide our brains to see things differently and then act differently and feel differently about our lives. It is incredibly powerful work. Understanding this model is so useful to understand yourself as well as other people. So for example, like if my patient is not taking the action they said they would, but they said they wanted to do, it is because of a thought they're having that's creating a feeling that leads to their actions that that they're doing now. And yes, this thought is likely heavily influenced by their upbringing, their socioeconomic context, and it is possible for them, if they want, to practice thinking new thoughts too. So it's a very useful tool for um, understanding other humans as well, right? And the biggest piece that I like about um, using it in terms of who I am to other people and who they are to me is this piece of it. We are only ever a C. We are only ever a circumstance in someone else's model. So if I say no to my colleague's request, you know, to switch shifts or something, they will have a thought and a feeling about it leading to actions and results for their own life. That's their model. It can be helpful to understand. So say I say no, and then, you know, what I see is the outward expression, which would basically be their actions, you know, as they yell at me or something. Okay, that's because of a thought they had and a feeling that got generated in their body. And then that led to yelling at me. I can understand that that is their thought and their feeling. And I can understand that that's what's going on. It's never our business, though, to try and interfere or change their model. And good luck doing it anyway, right? Like, as we know, we are not, we don't have direct control of other people's thoughts or feelings and nor are they ours. That's why it's useful to know, like, I am a neutral circumstance in their model and it's their thoughts and feelings that are generating all of this for them. Um, I find that a useful thought to, to remember and vice versa as well. So if I am really blaming someone else's actions for my emotions and actions, they made me do this and all of that, it's great to step back and say, that person is a neutral circumstance in my model. What is the thought I'm thinking about what they've said to me that is leading to the rest of it? It's incredibly empowering to do it that way, right? Okay. So in summary, uh, the self-coaching model, what is it? A tool for creating a new life, a new identity, a new sense of empowerment and purpose. Your circumstances are the neutral facts of your life that you, that are completely neutral, Um, inert objects that just exist in the world until our human brains have thoughts about them that lead to to feelings, emotions in our bodies that then create all of our actions and inactions in our life and therefore all the results we end up in our life. That is a way that you can actually view the whole world. And the thing that it can offer you to consider is that if I thought different thoughts I would generate different emotions and therefore actions. And I would literally show up and and create a new life for myself. There's an incredible sense of empowerment and purpose in there. 
So my question for you is, what action or result are you currently wishing you could take? Are you wishing you could say no to patients more? Are you wishing you could shift your hours at work? Are you wishing you could, you know, um, spend more time with someone or spend less time with someone else? And if you're wondering, why can't I just follow through on it? It's because there's a thought you're having generating an emotion that's leading to that action. It's really as simple as that. So I invite you to try out this exercise to learn why you're not getting the results you want and consider what thought could you have to think? What thought could you be thinking? What feeling could you be feeling to generate the action and results you desire? This stuff is hard to do with our on our own at times, though self-coaching is really powerful and it's a practice I do as often as I can. Um, and especially at first, it's useful to have someone else to support you. So I want to give you two specific ways you could do it with me if you wish. So um, the first is if you want to work one-on-one with me, you can go to my website, joanchanmd.com and go to the one-on-one coaching section and apply um, for one-on-one coaching sessions with me or book your free tryout session if you'd like. And the second way is registering for my next workshop on November 17th, 2022, which is about empowering reluctant patients. And we are going to be talking specifically about this tool, the model in that workshop and kind of unpacking it more and using it to understand our patients better. And um, then I'm going to be giving you some more tips and tools, tools of how to offer sometimes this model, but more often using the understanding we gain from this model to offer our patients options on how they can take different action in their lives if they choose. And so you can go again to my website and register for that workshop and I'd love to see you there. So there you go, the self-coaching model, CTFAR, five little letters um, that have made a huge difference in my life and I hope they make a huge difference in yours. And please let me know if they do because I love to hear from you. All right. I'll see you next week. Take care. I would love to hear from you. Please share your human moments in medicine with me on Instagram at joanchanmd or on my website, joanchanmd.com. On my website, you can also find other restorative medical education offerings I have, including one-on-one coaching opportunities and skill building workshops. I look forward to connecting with you there.